Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. So today I, I would like to have a staff meeting. And by that, I mean, I want you to meet a staff. And I don't mean the awesome staff of Tikvat Israel, my, my co-workers, co-laborers. I don't mean that. I mean another kind of staff. I would like you to meet the staff of Aaron. Okay, but first a word about the Bible. Now, <clears throat> the Bible is a great book. Would you agree? It's known as the good book. It's the only book I've heard that when you read it, it reads you. I don't know what that means exactly, but it sounds, sounds profound. I, uh, Dan Juster, Rabbi Dan, says that the higher view we have of Scripture and the more that we depend on it, the more we meditate on it and snack on it and turn it over and think about it, the healthier we will be as individuals and as a community. In turning it over, in processing it over the years, Jewish interpreters and Christian interpreters have developed something called Midrash. Now, raise your hand if you've ever heard this word. All right. Keep your hand raised if you know what it means. Okay. Well, you have some idea, right? Well, if you don't, let me explain. Midrash comes from the root derash, which means to search out, right? We have some people give a drash up here from time to time, members of our community. And uh, so it means to search out or investigate uh, or interpret as an investigator. So an interpret, interpreter, I guess it could be, right? I often mention Midrash in my sermons for several reasons. Number one, Jewish Midrash connects us to the body of Israel, the Jewish people. In other words, we don't read this text in a vacuum, but received and understood through an interpretive tradition, uh, which is helpful to understanding it, right? Uh, which brings us to reason number two, there's some distance between us and the text of the Bible, right? And I don't just mean that it's, you know, down here and I'm, I'm up here. I could bring it up, um, but there would still be some distance between me and this text. What do I mean? Well, sometimes the Bible is a little brief. It's a little terse. It leaves readers to, to do what uh, Lloyd likes to do, which is ask questions, right? For example, why was Cain's sacrifice not accepted and Abel's was? What did Yeshua write on the ground when they accused the woman of adultery? How did Noah know which animals were clean and which were unclean? The Bible doesn't tell us any of that, right? So also the Bible was written in a different context, in a different language, with a different spiritual worldview. 
for a different time period, for a land that is 6,000 miles away, I checked on Google Earth. And so the Midrash, the filling in of the gaps, after turning the Bible over and over, marinating in it, as Jason likes to say, is helpful. And uh, it's a history of interpreters who meditated on this text helps us to understand it. What faithful Jewish and Christian scholars did over the years was to make, oftentimes they would make connections in the text between, let's say, similar words or similar themes or images. So today, as I mentioned, we're going to focus on the staff. We're going to have a staff meeting. We're going to meet the staff of Aaron brought out in this week's Parsha. But as we will see, perhaps it is brought out through the entirety of the scriptures. Ooh. Ah, no? Okay. All right. Uh, hopefully you'll, you'll, uh, you'll join. <laughs> Diane looks skeptical. <laughs> That's good. That's okay. I like a challenge. So our first meet the staff comes from the Parsha itself. This is from number 17. So remember, after the rebellion of Korach and his ilk, who say, hey, aren't we all holy? What makes Moses and Aaron so special, right? Why are you guys lifting yourselves up? Of course, Moses and Aaron did not lift themselves up. They were humble, but that's another story. And so, uh, surprise, I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert, they get swallowed up by the earth. If you haven't read it, it's, uh, it's quite dramatic. And uh, God confirms the calling of Aaron and the Levites in this unique way. This is from Numbers 17. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and get a rod, a staff, from each ancestral house, 12 staffs in all. And the, it's interesting, the word for staff is also the word for tribe, mate. Um, write each man's name on his staff. Write Aaron's name on Levi's staff. There, there is to be one staff for the prince of each tribe. Then you are to place them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I will meet with you, where I meet with you. It will come about that the staff of the man I choose, what's going to happen to it? Do you guys know? It's going to sprout. Say that with me. Sprout. Yes. I will then rid myself of the grumblings of the children of Israel who are grumbling against you. We're all holy. Blech. Okay. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel. Each of their princes gave him a staff, one staff for each prince according to their ancestral houses, 12 staffs in all, and Aaron's staff was among them. Moses placed the staffs before Adonai in the tent of testimony. The next day, Moses entered the tent of testimony, and behold, Aaron's staff from the house of Levi had sprouted. Do that with me. Sprouted blossomed and produce almonds. Nom, nom, nom. That's a healthy snap. That's good. All right. Moses then brought all the staffs from Adonai's presence to all the children of Israel. They looked and each man took his staff. Adonai said to Moses, put Aaron's staff back in front of the testimony to keep it as a sign to the sons of rebellion. Remember, it was, it was next to the, the Holy of Holies. Uh, in perpetuity in the in the tabernacle there, uh, so that it may put an end to their grumblings against me, so they will not die. So it's kind of a helpful thing, like, oh, we did this, and the earth swallowed us up, so let's, you know, 
we have the staff to remind us. And Moses did just as Adonai had commanded him. So the plain reading of the text shows uh, how God chose Aaron by doing what? Sprouting, yes. What did he sprout? The staff, right? But faithful rabbis and Christians have searched out a darash, a darash meaning in the text. Do you want to know what it is? Let's check it out. Our first midrash comes from Midrash Yalam Denu Yakut Shimoni in section 869, if you'd like to look it up. The staff with which Jacob crossed the Jordan, you following me, is identical with that which Judah gave to his daughter-in-law, Tamar. It is likewise the holy rod with which Moses worked and with which Aaron performed wonders before Pharaoh, and with which finally David slew the giant Goliath. David left it to his descendants, and the Davidic kings used it as a scepter, right? Because the king has a scepter, until the destruction of the temple when it miraculously disappeared. When the Messiah comes, Somebody say, when the Messiah comes, it will be given to him for a scepter in token of his authority over the nations. Interesting, right? All these stories are linked by the common Hebrew word, mate, which means staff or branch or even tribe, as we mentioned. Jacob's shepherd staff was when he crossed over the Jordan. And remember, he, he divided into two camps before his brother Esau, as they prepared to meet each other. And then they were kind of reconciled a little bit. And uh, the staff was Judah's pledge to Tamar, uh, which she gave back to him, vindicating her righteousness and carrying on the family name and the tribe, although it was a, it's kind of an unusual way to do that. Aaron's staff in particular, remember, was the one that swallowed up all the other snakes during an early confrontation with Pharaoh, showing that even though the magicians could do a little bit of magic, Aaron's God was more powerful because his staff became a snake and it swallowed up all the other snakes. David took his shepherd's staff with him when he defeated the blasphemous Goliath. It says he took his staff and uh, the river stones. And in the Messianic age, the Messiah, the son of David, descendant of David, will carry it as he rules over the nations and restore the rule of King David for all time. Here's a midrash from a medieval Christian named Solomon of Akhlat, written around 1222. He was a bishop of Basra, which is in modern-day Iraq, within the Persian church. And uh, we can see how this midrash is based on the earlier midrashim of the Jewish rabbis before him, because they kind of build on one another. We stand on the shoulders of these interpreters. This is what he says. When Adam and Eve, were you expecting that? Adam and Eve went forth from paradise. Adam, as if knowing that he was never to return to his place, cut off a branch from where? The tree of good and evil, which is a fig tree. And he took it with him and he went forth and it served him as a staff all the days of his life. 
After the death of Adam, his son Seth took it, for there were no weapons as yet at that time. The rod was passed on from hand to hand unto Noah and from Noah to Shem, and it was passed down from Shem to Abraham as a blessed thing from the paradise of God. With this rod, Abraham broke the images and graven idols which his father made, and therefore God said to him, get thee out of thy father's house, etc. And that's another Midrash, Midrashic story about how Abraham, uh, his father was an idol maker and he smashed it and then went to the land that God showed him. Um, it was in his hand in every country as far as Egypt and from Egypt to Canaan. Afterwards, Isaac took it and it was handed down from Isaac to Jacob. Many of these are what profession? They're shepherds, right? So they need the, the shepherd staff, right? And that's, that's what they're using it. So the, the Midrash is making these connections. Um, with it, Jacob fed the flocks of Laban, the Aramean, and Padan Aram. After Jacob, Judah, his fourth son, took it. And this is the rod which Judah gave to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, with his signet ring and his napkin as the hire for what he had done. From him it came to Perez. At that time there were wars everywhere, and an angel took the rod and laid it in the cave of treasures in the Mount of Moab until Midian was built. There was in Midian a man, upright and righteous before God, whose name was, do we know who this is? A Midianite? Upright one? Very helpful to Moses. Jethro, there we go, yes. When he was feeding his flock on the mountain, he found the cave and took the rod by divine agency, and with it he fed his sheep until his old age. When he gave his daughter to Moses, he said to him, go in, my son, take the rod, and go forth to thy flock. Remember, Moses was also a shepherd. When Moses had set his foot upon the threshold of the door, an angel moved the rod, and it came out of its own free will toward Moses. And Moses took the rod, and it was with him until God spoke with him on Mount Sinai. When God said to him, cast the rod upon the ground, and he did so, and it became a great serpent. And the Lord said, take it, and he did so, and it became a rod as at first. This is the rod which God gave him for a help and a deliverance that it might be a wonder, and that with it he might deliver Israel from the oppression of the Egyptians. By the will of the living God, this rod became a serpent in Egypt. By it, God spoke to Moses, and it swallowed up the rod of Posdi, the sorceress of the Egyptians, which is um, that now it's referring to Aaron's rod as well, like, like we talked about. With it, Moses smote the sea of Soph in its length and breadth, in the depths congealed in the heart of the sea. It was in Moses' hands in the wilderness of Ashimon, and he smote the stony rock, and the waters flowed forth. Then God gave serpents power over the children of Israel to destroy them, because they had angered him at the waters of strife. And Moses prayed before the Lord, and God said to him, Make thee a bronze serpent and lift it up with the rod and let the children of Israel look upon it and be healed. So now it's associated with the, the bronze serpent that Moses lifted up in the desert. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he placed the bronze serpent in the sight of all the children of Israel in the wilderness, and they looked upon it and were healed. And after all the children of Israel were dead, save Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, Yophana, they went into the promised land. And what did they take? 
they took the staff with them, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's the that's the central object here, right? Are you still with me? Okay, good. <laughs> All right. And uh, they went to the promised land and took the rod with them on account of the wars which, with the Philistines and the Amalekites. And Phineas hid the rod in the desert in the dust at the gate of Jerusalem, where it remained until our Lord Messiah was born. And he, by the will of his divinity, showed the rod to Joseph, the husband of Mary. And it was in his hand when he fled to Egypt with our Lord and Mary until he returned to Nazareth. From Joseph, his son Jacob, who was surnamed the brother of our Lord, took it. And from Jacob, Judas Iscariot, who was a thief, stole it. When the Judean leaders crucified our Lord, they lacked wood for the arms of our Lord. And Judas, in his wickedness, gave them the rod, which became a judgment and a fall unto them, but an uprising unto many. Unquote. So here we trace the staff all the way from the tree of life in Eden to the tree on which Yeshua died. The staff is a sign of shepherding of guiding the people. It is also a sign of the authority of the Davidic king and Messiah, and is also a sign of the tree, commonly called the cross, where Yeshua gave his life in humility. His exaltation on the tree, on the cross, is connected to his exaltation as king over the nations. Those two ideas are related. This medieval Christian's midrash fits nicely on the rabbinic midrash that came before him, doesn't it? It is indeed the staff of the Mashiach, the anointed one, the Messiah. One final midrash. This is based on the work of Dr. Michael Heiser, but it's uh, my own connections. Let's remember two things about the staff of Aaron. What does it do? sprouts, it buds, and brings forth almonds. And then another thing we want to remember is that it is placed before the holy of holies. So let's talk about the sprouting. The first time anything brings forth fruit in the scriptures, when is that? It's the earth in the creation story. It even uses the same verb, uh, which is uh, the, the motzi verb, right? Who brings forth bread from the earth. And it, that, that, of course, is the sacred space that would become the Garden of Eden. The tree of life gives food to all of humanity. Think of the cosmic life-giving tree in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, which Daniel interprets like this. The tree that you saw grow large and strong, whose top reached to heaven and was visible to all the earth, whose leaves were beautiful and whose fruit were so abundant there was food for all in it, and beneath which the beasts of the field lived and its branches, birds um, of the sky dwelt. It is you, O king. You are the tree, and the tree is you. I am the tree, but how can that be? Sorry, that's from a musical I wrote. Anyway, um, but he's <laughs> so he's the tree, and it, we're, can you picture this? It's a tree, and all the birds and all the animals are, are, are being fed by this tree. So think of like Aaron's staff with the, with the almonds, but like Aaron's staff 2.0. This is like, wow, right? And this was the case of Nebuchadnezzar before the, cheat, the tree is chopped down to a stump 
because of his great arrogance and pride. But it is the ultimate destiny of the Messianic king to give life-giving fruit to all the nations. So he was kind of close in some ways, but um, he, he had some, some character issues. But it was a picture of the Messianic king. As for the staff being in front of the Holy of Holies, what does the Holy of Holies represent? What is the tabernacle? That's where heaven and earth connect, right? And this is also true of where? Of Eden. It's the place where God dwells. It's the cosmic center of the earth, the beginning of creation. In the ancient Near East, they would have been familiar with a cosmic tree, which brings life to all. Where was it? In the center of the earth. And where is the center of the earth in the Bible? It's not, uh, it's not Ashland. They, they claim that they're the center of the earth, but I'll, I'll, get, I'll spoil alert. It's not them. What's the, where's the center of the earth? Jerusalem. And where in Jerusalem? Mount Zion. The center. As for, so this is what Dr. Heiser says about this motif in the ancient Near East. This is like the context. So the location was exalted above the surrounding areas. So what is that called? That's called a mountain. It was a place from which creation occurred. What is that in the Bible? That's Eden. It was the center of the earth. It was a place of communication between heaven and earth. And it was a medium of distributing food life-giving food all over the earth. The center of the earth is Mount Zion in Jerusalem. In the Greek version of the Tanakh, it's called the center. Do you know what they call it? The navel, the belly button of the earth, right? Why is that? Because the umbilical cord is the source of life for a new birth. It's the center of the earth which connects heaven and earth. It's the raised up cosmic mountain of God, Mount Zion and Eden both. Not only that, but the cosmic tree offering nourishment to all nations is the messianic shoot. It's the sprout, the branch. From where? From the root of David, the root of Jesse, David's father. The sprout from a dead stump in Isaiah if you've ever read this, there's a dead stump representing Israel. And then there's a shoot, a little tiny shoot that comes out. And it's a messianic shoot that brings what? Resurrection life to a dead stump. The Jewish people were dead and he raised us up. He resurrected us in Messiah. The word for this in Hebrew, one of the words is netzer, right? Netzer David in Hebrew. And there's a, there's a seminary called that a Messianic Jewish seminary. Uh, it means the righteous branch of David. And Netzer is the same as, is related to the word Notsri. So the Messiah, the Netzer David, was going to be a Notsri, a Nazarene. And indeed he was, right? So the Messiah is therefore a human king descended from David the righteous branch, the Netzer David, the shoot of Jesse, and also the Messiah is the cosmic tree and sacred mountain, somehow, which brings life to all the nations. The Messiah is connected to the home of God, where God dwells, 
where heaven and earth connect, where Eden is. Remember in the book of John, he continually connects himself with the temple, right? Tear down this temple and God will raise it up in three days. But the temple he was talking about was himself. And we know from the new covenant that the tree which sprouts is connected to the suffering and death of Messiah Yeshua on the cross, who he finds his kingly exaltation there on the tree. Yeah, you can bang for emphasis if you want. It's a, it's a, good, uh, it's a good book. <laughs> Don't blame Henry. <laughs> so perhaps the budding of Aaron's staff, are you, are you calling attention to a staff? Are you giving us a visual, visual cue? Yeah, hold, hold up your staff so we can see. There we go. That could have been like that. So it was brought all the way, you know, the, my midrash is that it was brought all the way to Tikbot Israel in Richmond, Virginia. Woo-woo! All right. Thank you. But you don't have to drop it in the middle of the sermon. You can just, you know, just hold on to it. So perhaps the budding of Aaron's staff in the Parsha is connected to all these ideas. And it's brought together in the fullness um, in the gospel of Yeshua. We make these connections in the text with the help of faithful rabbis and Christians. Why? Just because it's interesting? No, because we want to draw near to God. We want to meditate, marinate on the profound images in this text. Um, I think uh, a good summary of many of these ideas is in Ezekiel. This is in chapter 17. So just listen to, to his, uh, the picture that he has here. Thus says Adonai Elohim, I, even I, will take a sprig, a sprout, from the top of the lofty cedar, and I will plant it. I will crop off a tender twig from the topmost of its young shoots, and I will plant it on a tall and prominent mountain. I will plant it on Israel's high mountain. I will bring forth branches, the netzer bear fruit and be a magnificent cedar. Birds of every kind will nest under it. They will nest in the shade of its branches. Then all the trees of the field will know that I, Adonai, have brought down the high tree, but exalted the low tree, dried up the green tree and made the dry tree flourish. I, Adonai, have spoken and I will do it. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the Messiah and the restoration and the kingdom? But there's a mountain, and there's a tree, and there's a sprout. It's all there in Ezekiel 17. So I just want to close with an encouragement. I want to encourage all of us to seek out the scriptures every day, to turn it over, to read it, to make connections, and to read helpful commentaries and midrashim. Uh, one uh, one good way to start is a, a Bible with commentary. I, I really like the complete Jewish study Bible. Um, another helpful tool is the Siddur, which is, uh, is the, the prayers of our people, which is all based on either, either literally just, just scripture or based on scriptural ideas. And it goes through and there's a narrative of prayer that's very helpful. Um, there are, if you don't like to read, but you still like to learn, there are podcasts. I recommend the Bible Project has a podcast and, and helpful videos. And uh, uh, Dr. Mike Heiser has something called the Naked Bible Podcast. I know it sounds a little weird, but it's, it's legit. It's kosher, I promise. 
and he kind of gets into the 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 background. And I I did a lot of my research for this sermon uh, based on uh, his writings. Uh, so it's very helpful. There's uh, there's Jewish commentators. Uh, one one guy that's particularly helpful. Um, I always look at what he has to say is a guy by the name of Rashi. He was a, a, a medieval uh, rabbi, and uh, you can find his commentaries online. And the UMJC, the union, has commentary every week um, that you can sign up for and uh, and get and, and do a do a drosh, do a, a searching out of the connections in the scripture. But whatever you do, I just want to encourage you to to read it and to get into it. Or if you don't like to read, to listen to it. <laughs> And to listen to uh, to these uh, use these helpful tools, because the scripture is also a tree of life, right? It is like the the tree of the Messiah, like the cosmic tree of life, like the cross on Calvary. Calvary, it is uh, the Torah, the scriptures, is life for us. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Avinu, our Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for those that have gone before us to illuminate and help explain uh, the meanings um, and the beauty in this book. And I pray that as a community that you would help us to be people of the book, people that are living Torahs that walk it out, that have thought about it, that have meditated on it, help us to snack on it, you know, throughout the day. Um, maybe uh, look at uh, look at it on our phones or um, look at a Siddur uh, when we take breaks or, or whatever. Um, but uh, in, in especially in, in the morning is a good time, Lord, but just help us to, um, to be in your word and help us to, um, to know um, and to search out these these beautiful meanings and to ask uh, good questions and to to seek them out because in them is life. And we thank you for the tree of life that you have given us, the staff of Aaron, which is a symbol of your exaltation on the throne over all nations and a symbol of your humble death on the tree that brings us salvation, that brings us uh, from death to life. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.